there was a, uh, a little boy went to his mother and said, Mom, do they, do they have airplanes back in biblical times? She says, no. Why do you ask that? He says, well, the Bible says that Pontius was a pilot. Did you get that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, uh, I found out about this yesterday uh, afternoon when I got a text from uh, Pastor Phil, and he asked me if, if I would fill, would fill in this morning. And uh, <clears throat> naturally, I told him that I would. So today's sermon is going to be a little, little bit different. I don't know how much value you place in Pastor Phil, but let me tell you something. You better value that man's teachings. That man stays in the Word, and he knows exactly what he's talking about when he gets up here to deliver the message that God has prepared in his heart. <clears throat> there are not many pastors who have a heart for God. It's more of a job to them. I was visiting a hospital in Macon, Georgia, a little girl who was, who was dying of leukemia. She was six years old. And her father was there, and they were Methodists. And that's no fault to the Methodists. Don't get me wrong. Um, and so I went there. I was asked to go there and, and to pray with the family. So I went, and there was this Methodist pastor there. And uh, we got to talking. He said, uh, let me tell you something. He says, if you're in the ministry for the money, he said, you better get, get out. And I said, sir, if I was in it for the money, I never would have gotten in. The first church I pastored, I made $50 a week. Drove to school 57 miles one way, took five classes, studied at night, went to work at midnight till 8 o'clock in the morning at a factory that made uh, threads. It was looming machines, and I had to clean those looming machines' head out. It had those oily filters in them. But they did have a shower there at the, uh, the plant. And so I was able to get cleaned up before I drove 57 miles to school. And I did that for two years and nine months and uh, graduated early. Not because I'm smart, because I was just wanting to get out of there. <laughs> so today's sermon is going to be a little bit, uh, I think, a little bit different than, than what you're accustomed to uh, with Pastor Phil's great, great teaching and I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 14. I'll take that back. So I did this last time I preached. I told y'all to look in Psalms and, and y'all were looking in whatever I told you to look. Look in Psalms chapter 14. But we will go back to Proverbs chapter 14 momentarily. I titled today's sermon, Five Fools in America. Now, this is uh, somewhat a little bit different than I'm sure what you're accustomed to. But let us read Psalm 14. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They're all gone aside. 
They're all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? There were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. You have shamed the counsel of the poor because the Lord is his refuge. O oh, that the salvation of Israel will come out of Zion when the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people. Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. So I want to dial this down. I don't want to talk about the five fools in America. I want to dial this down a little bit and talk about the five fools in Greenville County. Do you know who they are? I'm going to tell you who they are. They're not movie stars. They're not pop artists. They're not country and western stars. They're not football stars. They're not politicians. They're probably not any, anybody that you really know. But these five fools live in Greenville County. Well, I, I know this is going through your mind. Well, okay, tell me who they are. <laughs> well, I know someone personally who was part of what I would call a cultic religion. The person believed in God as much as one could in this type of, of environment, but I choose to think it was not so much as that this person believed in God, rather believed that the association that he was involved with was his ticket to salvation. And let me say this. There is none other name among heaven whereby we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. You can't get there any other way. I can't get there any other way. It's Jesus plus nothing minus nothing. It's Jesus or nothing at all. And to make a long story short, this person began to question the validity of the teachings of this particular denomination and soon quit attending the meetings. Well, after that happened, uh, his wife's father was an elder in the congregation and he encouraged his daughter to divorce her husband and when she did that i mean they tried to entice him to go back into this this uh this this denomination and he refused to do it because he realized there was a lot of false teachings there and so they excommunicated him from the church and Ultimately, his wife left him. Well, that devastated him so badly that he ended up not believing in God at all and wrote a book, an atheistic book, and it's on Amazon and probably in Nobles. I haven't read it, don't intend to, because there is no kind of a book there are not any volume of books that can make me believe that there is not God. God is, always has been, and always will be. It doesn't matter what I think or anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what this young man thought. God is still God, and God is still on the throne. He has been from the, from the beginning. Good works will never produce salvation Jesus said I am the way 
Now, he didn't put comma there and say truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father but by me. Now, if you keep up with the news as much as I do, and I've got a sister-in-law that she watches Fox News from the time she gets up until the time she goes to bed. If I want to know what the news is, all i got to do is call her and say, Patty, what's the news? And she'll start telling me everything that happened throughout the entire world. And most of our leaders today use God as a glib byword. And they do not have any idea of who, of who God really is. And so what they're saying when they use God in their speeches or, or whatever they want to do, they use that as a glib byword to try to patronize believers. I've heard some of them say I'm a Catholic, as if praying to Mary is going to get them to heaven. Not going to do it. As if they, if they confess their sins in this little cubicle that they have in certain churches, and you confess your sins to the Father, that priest, that he has the power to forgive sins. No. Jesus is the only one that has the power to forgive sin, bar none. And I've heard people say, well, you ask them, say, well, are, are you a Christian? Oh, I'm a Baptist. Okay, so what? I don't, I don't know if I told you this, but I had a friend who pastored a church not far from the first church that I pastored. He, he made $45 a week, so I was above him. <laughs> I made $50 a week. And uh, he had a deacon that came to, and they were standing out in front of the church one morning, and he says, hello, brother and so-and-so, you old sinner. It made this deacon so mad. He was just livid. He said, let me tell you something, Pastor. I haven't sinned since the day I was saved. So my friend Bill said, do you walk on water too? Well, baptism is not going to get it. You can be baptized until the tadpoles know your first and last name. <laughs> We're only saved by grace. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. These five fools that I'm talking about, the first one is the modernistic fool or what the scripture calls a simple fool. The Hebrew word simple fool, now when we talk about these five fools, in the Old Testament there are five words that describe a fool. Now, God has the authority to call anybody a fool, and he says so right here. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So this first word, simple fool, is pethi, which implies extreme vulnerability, literally meaning to be opened up. The simple fool opens up his or her mind to any passing thought and opens his or her arms to any passing stranger. So if someone says, well, this is good for you, but the Bible says that it's bad for you. Well, the simple fool will take this person's word over what the scripture says, and they will indulge in such sin that they start building a shell around them, and it's harder for the Holy Spirit to reach them. 
So in other words, this person lacks discernment and lacks the ability to recognize the cause and effects in everyday life. If I were to hit this microphone, it's going to fall over. The cause is I hit the microphone, the effect is that it falls over. We're going through a hurricane in Louisiana, I think it's already passed. So with the high winds blowing, the wind, the cause, the effect is devastation. Proverbs 22, 3 says, A prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. They are punished by their own doings. The scripture is very clear when it says that you will reap what you sow. You sow corn, you're going to reap corn. You sow peas, you're going to reap peas. You sow to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. My friend, you are in for a day of destruction by your own doings. And so would I be. This person is dangerously immature. Extremely gullible and intensely curious is especially vulnerable to seduction and lacking irreversible consequences of moral failure. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6 and 7 says, For at the window of my house I looked through my casement, and I beheld among the simple ones, the fools, I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. Now, when I use the term his in this sermon, it doesn't mean just the, the males. It also refers to females. So I'm just using that in a generic term as the Bible does because the Bible uses as his, meaning mankind. In the absence of consistent discipline, the simple fool or modernistic fool will naturally become more foolish. Our world today has become saturated with modernistic teachings at all levels of education, lack of discipline in the home, and lack of self-discipline. And I think the hardest thing here is for someone to discipline themselves to do the right things in the right way at all times. If you look at our education system, what we need in our education system are Bible-believing teachers. And in a lot of cases, we don't have that. <laughs> I could not be a teacher, especially in high school. And the reason I couldn't be is because one of those young kids came up in my face, I'd be fired. I would be. And the reason they're that way is because they don't get what they need at home. You discipline a child at home, and they will be disciplined no matter where they go. Now, sometimes you can't help what they do because you don't have 24-7 vision. You're not all-knowing and all-seeing as God is. But God sees everything that everybody does at all times, and nothing will escape. No one will escape. The second fool is the silly fool. The Hebrew word that refers to a silly fool is ev-il, or you might want to pronounce it evil. That means to be perverse or silly. And the mouth of a silly fool always gets him or her into trouble. So whenever people speak, 
they don't think about what the consequences are of what they're about to say or what they have said. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 14 says, Wise men lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. When things go wrong for the silly fool, he becomes angry, resulting in more danger and self-destruction. Proverbs chapter 27, 3 says, A stone is heavy and the sand weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than the booth. A silly fool believes that his own way of thinking is right so much that he reacts to instruction when it is offered. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 5, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Have you ever met anybody that says, or that <laughs> they think they're a know-it-all? You ever met anybody like that? I have found that a lot of our teenagers think they know it all. Parents don't know anything. We're stupid, right? We're just, we're stupid. We're old-fashioned. We're stupid. We don't know a thing. But teenagers know everything there is to know about everything, every matter. Boy, are they foolish, right? And that's when we call that kind of person, they know it all, a silly fool. Argument, persuasion, and advice from well-meaning friends and parents fail to convince, convince the silly fool of their errors or potential dangers. Then it may take the proper correction by authorities, which publicly shames the silly fool to be effective in helping him change his ways. Now, I may be getting a little ahead of myself, but I have a, a pistol. It's a two-barrel pistol. It only holds two shots. Now, for people who say, well, there is no God, okay? If I took this pistol and I put one bullet in there and I asked you to put it to your head and pull the trigger, you would have a 50-50 chance of killing yourself or not killing yourself. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand. How many of y'all would do that? Not me. I'm not that stupid. Because every time... Somebody put something like that to me, I always pull the trigger and the bullet comes out. There's only two chambers, one has a bullet. But if you don't believe in God, you don't have a chance. Both barrels are loaded. And you will not escape the wrath and the punishment of God by not accepting the blood of Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for your sins. You don't stand a chance, folks. The third one is the sensual fool. The Hebrew word here is kesil, which means fat, not fat and weight. Now, don't get me. I'm not offending anybody here, okay? Because I'm well overweight, I assure you. I should weigh about 195. I think I weighed like 228. So the word fat here means thick. Have you ever pointed to your head and say, so-and-so is thick? That's what it's referring to. They're thick in the head. Not sick, but thick in the head. So the word denotes to a person who seems to make wrong choices. Boy, haven't we all made wrong choices in life? Why, I have made so many. But on March the 25th, 1973, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and I became a Christian. 
People say, well, how do you know? Because I was there. It happened to me. That's how I know. The person doesn't lack mental deficiency, but rather rejects the wisdom of God. The sensual fools focus on that which brings pleasure at any given time. The sensual fool says, okay, my friend Susie is doing drugs. Okay, I think I'm going to try it. Or my friend Susie is doing this or, or whatever, and I think I'll try it. Well, this is a sensual fool that doesn't realize the consequences of what they're about to do. And they trust this person more than they trust God. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 23, it is a sport to a fool to do mischief. I shouldn't tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. When I was a teenager, there was this fertilizer plant not too far from my grandparents' house. And me and two or three of my buddies would go to this fertilizer plant. They had mounds of fertilizer. I mean, you know, 130, 150 feet high in this huge warehouse. And the way they got it to, to flow downward is they'd stick dynamite in there and blow it up and make it, make it become soft because fertilizer hardens with the humidity. So me and two or three of my friends said, let's go get some dynamite. So we went to this fertilizer plant, and, it's, and they, had, they had a catwalk way above there where they, they stored the dynamite. Well, we went in this fertilizer plant, and we stole some dynamite. We went to the woods, dug holes under trees, put the dynamite in there, ran the wire way out, put the cap in there, hit that little 9-volt battery, boom, we made toothpicks out of trees. We even went fishing in the creek. We dropped the dynamite over into the creek. Boom! We had fish coming to the top of water. That was the easiest fishing I've ever done in my life. But it was wrong. It was wrong. So I've done some foolish things, and I'm sure that you have. The Bible gives warnings about the sensual fool more than any other types of fool. That is because his motives and methods are subtly Sneaky. This type of fool should be avoided at all costs because those who follow him will be led astray. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says, A companion of fools shall be destroyed. Severe punishment is prescribed for the sensual fool. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 3. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the ass, and a rod for the fool's back. I used to think that my mother had, had like electric, uh, elastic arms. And I think at one time there was a comic book called The Elastic Man. He could just stretch, I mean, just far. Well, I thought that's the way my mother was. It didn't matter where I was or what I was doing. My mother had the ability to reach out and snatch me and get that switch on my rear end. As much as you'd whip a horse to make it go faster. Well, when she got that, well, the thing is, I had to go get my own switch. That's what made it so bad. And so I would either get a limb and bring it in the house, and I, I knew she wanted to go hit with that limb, so she'd make me go out and get another switch. I'd get that switch, 
And she'd bring that thing back, and I'd start doing this before she ever hit me. Just dancing like an Indian. Because I knew it's going to, and she started my ankles to work her way up. Now, she was not being cruel to me. She was punishing me for something that I did wrong. And, she, and sometimes she would say something to me. She'd say, James, do you want me to whip you? Yes, mother, please, I can't wait. Please whip me. No, I wouldn't dare say that. I'd say, no, ma'am. And that's another thing. When I said the word no, ma'am. It seems that we are not teaching our children respect of elders anymore. I hear children say, yeah, no, maybe, doesn't matter, uh, whatever. I hate that word, whatever. And I'm sure that you've heard that coming from, from children, whatever. We have to teach discipline to our children in our home. They're not going to get it anyplace else, folks. And some people say, well, is it important to say ma'am, no ma'am? It's just a sign of respect. That's all it is. The fourth fool is the scorning fool. The Hebrew word scorning fool denotes is lutz. In the Hebrew, it's spelled L-U-W-T-S, or if you pronounce it, L-O-O-T-S. It means to make mouths at or to scoff. Now, the scorning fool's facial expressions com communicate the disdain and contempt he has in his heart toward his authorities, including parents, civil authorities, and God. Now, some of you have teenagers. Have you ever seen them do this? You know, or roll their eyes or, or have the scowl on their face or this, this, this frown that you know that, and you ask them what's wrong, nothing. You want to talk about no? Sometimes you just you know? <laughs> Sometimes you feel that way. Well, this type of fool has not only rejected truth, but also has embraced that which is which is an abomination to God. <clears throat> Psalm 1 1 uh, describes the progression of foolishness, foolishness to one who first walks in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the way of sinners, and finally sits in the seat of the scornful. Now, when this was written in Psalm 1 1, there are people who will stand in the counsel of the ungodly. And there are those who will stand in the way of sinners becoming a Christian. And I think that the problem is that most people, when they say, well, I don't want to become a Christian, why not? Well, because. Because why? Well, I just don't want to be. And the reason they don't want to be is because they don't want to give up the life they are now living. They want the pleasurable things in life. But it's really not pleasure after all. Because everything that you do, there's always an effect. Everything that you do, whether it be good or bad, it always has, a, has an effect. The scorning fool absolutely detests people and ideas that contradict his false thinking, and he or she expresses his scorn through derisive attitude, behavior, and speech. 
The scorning fool turns a deaf ear to rebuke. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1 says, A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. When you reject instruction or rebuke from a person who has been there and done that, you need to, you need to heed to that advice. And because a lot of people said, well, I, I'm, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to, to listen to what you have to say. And the reason they do that is because they don't want their life to be changed. They want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. And those who attempt to lead the scorning fool from the path of destruction will suffer the wrath of a scornful person. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 12, A scorner loveth not the one that reproveth him, neither will he, neither will he go unto the wise. So if you have someone, whether it be a teenager, a child, or an adult, or whoever, and you try to give them instruction, you try to reprove them, they're going to become angry because they won't, don't want to change what they're doing. And you will become not their friend, you will become their enemy. And there's a lot of bitterness in people out there that when they are chided and when they are reproved and they are rebuked for what they're doing or what they're saying, you are going to become their enemy. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7 and 8 says, He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame. Reprove not his scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. When I was first saved, I didn't know anything about being a Christian. I'd only been in the church three weeks in Sunday school, and the Sunday school teacher asked me to pray. Folks, let me tell you, I've never been so scared in my entire life. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to begin, didn't know how to end, didn't know anything to put in between our Father and amen. I didn't have a clue what I was about to say. And sometimes still don't. But I was really scared. He called on me to pray, and I prayed. Don't remember what it was. I was as nervous as I could a cat on a hot tin roof. But as I began to learn, and as I began to read the Scripture, I couldn't wait to get into the Word to get that, that rebuke and that, that instruction from the Word of God because that's what the Word of God is. It is a, it is a book on how to, leave, how to live your life to the best of your God-given ability and how to come know Jesus Christ as one's personal Savior. And if you reject the Bible and you reject God, my friend, there is judgment at the end of that trail. The last but not least is the steadfast fool or the atheistic fool. Now, I know I'm preaching to a bunch of believers here, but that may be somebody listening out there in what I would call TV land. I don't think they use that term anymore. They call it online, podcast, whatever. <clears throat> this is the most dangerous type of the five of the Hebrew uh, words for fool. This word is nabal, which means stupid, wicked. Elsewhere in the Old Testament, nabal also is trans translated as a vile person. 
A steadfast fool or atheist totally rejects God in his way. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool, Nabal, has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. This type of fool is pretty much self-confident, close-minded, and he or her is his own, has his own God gratifying his lower nature, those things that please the flesh, not the spirit. It is his goal to draw as many others as possible into his evil ways and ungodly ways of living. You've heard that saying that birds of a feather flock together. Well, you look at the cliques at school. You have different cliques at school, and I realize this. What clique are you in? Are you in the clique that would lead you to do vile and ungodly things? Are you in the clique that just doesn't matter one way or another? Are you in the clique where people are doing the right thing and trying to live their life in the way that God would have them to live their life? We had cliques when I was in school. You had, the, you had the rich, you had the poor. Well, I was in the poor. And I was telling someone last night about a friend of mine who had, had polio. His name was Johnny. He had a wheelchair. And I would push him all over that school because nobody else would have anything to do with him. No one. And I enjoyed pushing him around that school in that wheelchair. I'd take him to lunch, take him to the bathroom, take him back to class, so forth and so on, take him outside in the playground, and he would just sit there and watch, and I'd you know, throw the ball to him, let him throw it, you know, and we'd play kickball and all dodgeball and all this kind of stuff. You don't know anything about that, do you? Yeah, sure, some of you do, I'm sure. <laughs> well, anyway. It is this person's goal to draw as many others as possible into his evil ways and ungodly ways of living. This type of person, the atheistic fool, attempts to reprove the, attempts to reprove the atheistic fool will prove to be futile and bring frustration to the one that tries to influence him to do the right thing. You will become the target of his or her disdain and only God can reprove the steadfast fool or the atheistic fool. I could not convince this young man that I was telling you about at the, at the outset. That young man was my nephew. You cannot convince him today that there is a God. He just doesn't believe it. No matter what you say to him, he says, if, God, if there was a God, why would he allow this to happen? God didn't allow that. Satan attacked. And this family, because of their, I want, I want to call it a cultic belief, because of the fiery darts of Satan, this person no longer believes in God and wrote this book that God does not exist. When you read the Scripture, and you start out in Genesis 1-1. You can't help but believe there is a God. This, this stuff just didn't appear. I mean, it just didn't come out of nowhere. God breathed, or God said, let there be so-and-so, 
and it was so. And if you deny that, you deny the very existence of God. And I am here to tell you and everyone that I can that God is real. He lives. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. No matter what tomorrow brings. No matter what happens today, no matter what happens tomorrow, I know that God is still in control and he will always remain in control. There is nothing that can escape God. He sees all, knows all. And I know nothing. But only God can convince the atheistic fool that he does exist. Without God, we don't stand a chance. Without God and the salvation that is provided in Jesus Christ, when you die, and you will die, and so will I, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Everybody's going to die. Two weeks ago, I lost my oldest brother, 89 years old, <clears throat> blind all his life, never saw, the, never saw daylight, never saw a cloud, never saw the sun, never saw a bird, never saw a color, never saw anything at all. And he was a Pentecostal preacher, excellent musician, could play the piano out of this world. I mean, he could make that piano talk and walk. He played for some gospel groups, and when he preached, he had his Braille Bible up there and preached out of that Braille Bible. And I used to take him just about everywhere he went. I'd stick my arm out, and he'd hold on to my arm, and I'd lead him wherever he wanted to go. And I'd say, okay, Shelby, we're coming to a step. And I'd say, and I'd tell him how many. If it's one, I'd say one. If it's three, I'd say three. And when we were walking, he walked so fast. And my little old teenage legs just couldn't keep up with him. And by the time we got where we were going, I was just plumb give out. He loved cars. A blind man driving a car? Yeah. The first car I remember that he had was a 1958 Chrysler Imperial. Black with those fins on the back. It looked like, it looked like a Batman's car. And I thought this was great. And so I get to drive him to his revival meetings and things of that nature. And I remember one time I was driving him and had one of his preacher friends in the back seat. And I would let Shelby operate the gas and the brake. Jim, are you stupid? This man can't see. But I would operate, uh, let him operate the gas and, and, and the brake. And I'd say, okay, Shelby, we're going to pass the car. Hit it. He'd hit that passing gear. Boom. We'd pass that car and get back in the other lane. I'd say, okay, let up. He'd let up and start hitting the brake till we got down to the speed. And we got to where we were going. This was about a two-hour drive. We got to where we were going. We were on this two-lane highway most of the way. And I said, okay, Shelby, I'll drive now. And this priest in the back seat said, you mean he's been driving this whole time? I said, yeah, he passed out. <laughs> I'll tell you one more story about my brother. Two more. And I'll be, I'll be short. 
we went to a piano and organ store. And we walked in, the salesman came up, he said, can I help you? And he started talking to me. He said, well, we got this kind of organ, this kind of organ, da, 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 da. You know, I said, I'm not buying the organ. That's my brother. He's buying the organ. Well, he's blind. Yeah, but you ought to hear him play. And it's amazing that when people have some kind of disability, that they, we think that they're less than we are. Well, they're not. They're the same as us. They're just different. And the last story I'll tell you about this is because I had a dream one night. This has been a while back. It's been years ago. And I dreamed that my brother died. And I was by his bedside, but I, I wasn't by his bedside when he died uh, in the nursing home down in Bluntstown, Florida. But I had this dream that I was by his bedside when he was dying. And he said, Jim, whew, it was so real. He said, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. And I said, Shelby, tell me what it looks like. He says, it's so bright. He says, I see Jesus. I said, tell me what he looks like. And he never told me. In that dream, it was far beyond his own comprehension in that dream to tell me what Jesus looked like. But now he knows what Jesus looks like because he can see he has eyes he has ears to hear. And my friend, if you are here, if you're listening to this, this telecast, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And the only way that you will ever come to know him is put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't even see the scripture now. I've got so many tears in my eye. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck and write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with thy first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Let us pray. 
You've been listening to a broadcast from LifePoint Church in Greenville, South Carolina. If this ministry has touched your life in some way, we would love to hear from you. Just visit our website at www.lifepointsc.org for more information. Or, if you prefer to reach us by letter, you can write to us at P.O. Box 27036, Greenville, South Carolina, 29616, USA. Until next time, may God bless you as you continue to follow Him.